You're listening to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, your daily podcast on the National Football League, powered by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show. We're into another mock draft here on Wednesday, Matt, and last time it was your mock draft 1.0 for the 2021 draft. I'm going to throw my hat in the ring today. The Peacock Mock version 1.0. And maybe you can talk me into changing things up and it'll become 1.1. We'll see. Because when you make a mock draft, it has to be, you have to have the point in there. That's the first rule of mock drafting. So I do know that. I've been doing this long enough to know that uh, this is 1.0. And and we'll see if there's another version of this one before I go to 2.0 at some point this offseason. And who knows what number we'll get up to. But we will do more mock drafts. We'll be talking about draft rankings. And I know you're rolling those rankings out. We've already talked about your top five quarterbacks. We'll get to running backs next, maybe even tomorrow, along with all the rest of the news going on in the NFL. But today is all about the mock draft. So we've got one through 32 lined up here at BD Peacock on Twitter is where you can find me. Matt Williamson is a must follow at Williamson in F L for me. I kind of try to play the line of predicting what will happen, but I'm also in charge of each team. So there is my bias in there of, you know, what prospects fit where and and what prospects are valuable, what prospects I like over the others, which, you know, positions have more value than others. But I'm still trying to project what the team will actually be doing. And some people, when they make a mock draft, is like, this is what I would do for every single 32 teams. And I don't care what I think they will do. And some people are like, I'm just trying to guess correctly at what each team will actually be doing, which is nearly impossible. So for me, a projection is here's one way that this could go. And I could understand why a team would be doing what I have them doing here in this mock draft. Yeah, you kind of have to play both ends of the fence. Like you don't want to make every pick like you're the GM or one guy you don't like that you know is going to be a first rounder ends up not even being in the first round. You know, like and so you kind of have to do a little bit of both and explain your logic. And I'm psyched to dig in. Take it away. I'm going to react to the picks, but it's it's all you. Go go go. All the right. the P mock. I, I hope I can withstand the barrage that that you hit me with when you crush all of these draft picks here. Uh, let's start with number one. <laughs> and this is one of those that's like, okay, there's going to be, and you were going to hear it. And there's going to be anonymous scouts that are like, oh, I think Zach Wilson's better than Trevor Lawrence. I think uh, Justin Fields is better than Trevor Lawrence. Right? I don't think Trevor Lawrence is the best prospect in this draft. Look, if you were to say uh, you can have one prospect, whoever that is, or the field. I'll take the field. There's likely to be maybe a player that's better than Trevor Lawrence that comes out of this draft class, right? But there's a reason why Lawrence is the number one prospect. He's going number one in the draft. So block out all that other noise. That's what's happening. And that's what I have happening here. So I don't think you're going to argue with that one too much. But then number two, I have the New York Jets selecting Zach Wilson, who's actually your third, third quarterback after Justin Fields by an inch. I, I'm feeling like Wilson's just ahead of Fields for most NFL teams right now, but I mean, I buy the argument for for Fields over Wilson as well. I just like the fit in that Shanahan-style offense that the New York Jets are bringing over for Zach Wilson, and you know, he can make all the throws and, you know, has a little backyard style as a former point guard, really good basketball player, so some athleticism that he might not get credit for just because he's not as big and fast as some of the other prospects in this draft. Yeah, that's how I would mock the first two picks as well Uh, at this point. I think it's he's the leader in the clubhouse to go number two and a lot of it's positional fit, you know, I mean, in that Shanahan type of offense, LaFleur's the new head coach. I think he fits in really well. There's going to be some trade action, I think, in the top four, five, six, seven picks, and maybe multiple trades. And I do have some trades projected in this mock draft. But for the Dolphins at three, I didn't project a trade. And I think quarterback is valuable. But I think 
where the Miami Dolphins are right now, uh, sitting there with their young quarterback, if you don't get somebody like Deshaun Watson, you have an opportunity to draft a blue-chip prospect in this draft, and I think the runaway favorite right now to be the first non-quarterback selected is Penny Sewell, and I have the Dolphins taking Penny Sewell here over the wide receivers at number three because I think they can get a wide receiver later on, but you might not be able to get a guy that's built like Penny Sewell that could be a franchise left tackle for a decade uh, in, in a lot of drafts and definitely not later in this draft. See, I love this, and I have not seen this done very often, but I think he's as close to a slam dunk as you can get in this draft. He's at a pri- premier position. I mean, he was killing dudes as a 19-year-old, and I don't know how you pass on him if you're Miami because I think it's overlooked in a lot of these mock drafts. That was one of the worst offensive lines in the league last year. Like, it's not like they're set on the offensive right. line. Absolutely, absolutely. Make it make things easier for Tua. You've got a lot of things going yep. right on the defensive side of the ball. Maybe add another edge rusher there as well. And you have enough picks to do everything you need if you don't throw all those picks in for someone like Deshaun Watson, who's an obvious upgrade. Otherwise, roll with Tua and make his life easier. And his life was much more difficult with the Miami Dolphins offense than it was with the Alabama offense, as we know, as we will see with some of the picks uh, in this mock draft. Pick number four. Uh, the I first question. Oh, sure. Real quick. History has shown first, you're going to get good receivers. Oh, I mean, and I think we're going to see it more and more every single year. And teams might start to realize, oh, my gosh, there's just too many really good receivers yeah. every year. We've got to draft some of these more scarce positions that you can't scheme up, you know, open receivers that, you know, at this day and age, the the way that you use so many wide receivers too, it's not that they're less valuable. It's just that there's more of them that can play. More of them are ready to play early. used to take three years for wide receivers. Now we're seeing guys jump in with a thousand yards in their rookie season. So um, I think that's going to be a trend that if you're breaking a tie, just knowing that you can get a wide receiver later means I'm, you know, if I'm the Dolphins, I'm going offensive tackle. And if I'm uh, maybe the Cincinnati Bengals. Maybe I don't draft a wide receiver there. I go a different way. But we're not at five yet with the Bengals pick. We're at pick four in the Atlanta Falcons. And it's the first big trade of this mock draft. And I have the Denver Broncos moving up here. And I'm surprised I haven't seen the Denver Broncos involved in more trade-ups when it comes to these mock drafts. Because they're sitting at pick nine. And they're sitting behind the Carolina Panthers, uh, you know, the Lions, the Dolphins, the Jets, the Jaguars. There's a very good chance sitting at nine, they know they won't be getting one of their top four quarterbacks. So you've got to be proactive if you want one of your quarterbacks. You've got to at least get in front of the Carolina Panthers. So if you start talking to teams, you might as well go up and once the second quarterback is off the board, make sure if you have a tier of quarterbacks that you like, go get your guy. And for me, new Broncos GM George Payton wanted to put his stamp on the team, moves up to secure something that John Elway never really could, which is that quarterback of the future. He had he had you know veteran a quarterback like Peyton Manning come in there, and that was amazing. But every time he's tried to add a young quarterback, it hasn't really worked. So you can sit on the fence with Drew Locke for another year, or you can be proactive and go get your guy. And if you're the Broncos, you almost have to move up to be sure that you do get your guy. I like it. I don't think Denver can sit back and hope to get a quarterback, especially one of the top four. So I like being proactive. I like, you know, and I like fields an awful lot. I also think Atlanta should be open for business at four, that they might say, we're going to roll back with Julio and Ryan and try to win this year and the next year and get some defense in this draft. The only thing I don't love is I think fields is a bit of a project. And I still feel like Denver would be wise to have an Andy Dalton or so on staff. You know, I mean, as maybe your week one starter, a bridge type guy. 
but yeah, probably not going to win the Super Bowl with that guy anyway. So you know, put throw Fields to the in the mix and see what happens. For the Falcons, they have tons of needs on defense. If you're rolling with Matt Ryan one more time, maybe they could draft a quarterback too at four. And I've seen that a number of times. But the value at four for the Falcons is quarterback, whether it's them or another team moving up. So I really think that is yeah. a, a good mesh point for a trade to happen. And it could be a number of teams, but I like the Broncos knowing that they have to be proactive here and they could try to wait and see if they could sneak up to seven right in front of Carolina, but that might be too late. And it would have been too late in this draft. I think that that's the point where the Falcons will be ready to do some business. The Cincinnati Bengals, Kyle Pitts is my selection here. The first pass catcher off the board. You're building around Joe Burrow. The easy pick here that you see a lot is Penny Sewell, but he's off the board. Do you force one of the other tackles up this high? And I do like some of the other tackle prospects in this draft. There's a number of them and a lot of them in this mock. But Rashawn Slater, is he a number five overall prospect? Especially if you think, well, if the first line of your scouting report is he might be a better guard than a tackle. Are you taking that player at top five? I just have some questions there about that. So who's the best player in this draft for Joe Burrow at this point? Honestly, and we had that talk about wide receivers. I would go Kyle Pitts. He's the biggest difference maker. He's the guy that you can't get anyone like later. You couldn't get anyone like him last year. You might not be able to get anyone like him uh, the next few years. I think it helps the Bengals, helps Joe Burrow more than anything, and you, you can still use some of your other selections to help fix your offensive line a little bit more and help fix that defense. And it's going to take a lot of picks still for Cincinnati. And they don't trade, even though that would make a ton of sense for them. See, I love this. I mean, I think Burrow throwing to Pitts in the middle of the field and detaching him and using his mind and using all the, all the alignments you can do with Pitts and red zone is a match made in heaven. Obviously, and I think you agree, if Sewell's there, you run to the podium, great. But by this point, too, I bet the Bengals have signed an offensive lineman or two. I mean, the need's going to be a little less. History shows you can get guards and centers, and that's a prime spot early in the second round, and it's a deep tackle draft. I think you can get those you know, other linemen on day two if you're the Bengals. If you don't get the crown jewel and soul, that didn't mean to rhyme, but that worked out well. <laughs> and boy, Pitts and Burrow, to me, are perfect together. I mean, the whole goal is just make Burrow's life easier. And I think Pitts does a, that in an enormous manner. Pick six, the Philadelphia Eagles are on the clock and the rest. As far as we can get through round one of the Peacock Mock 1.0 coming up. So much to play out over the course of the 2021 offseason, and even though the games are over, you can still bet on most of what's happening at betonline.ag. We're talking mock draft today. You can bet on who the first pick, the second pick, the third pick, the first wide receiver will be in the 2021 NFL draft. Where will Deshaun Watson get traded? Where will J.J. Watt end up? Who will win the Super Bowl in 2022? No end to things you can have some fun with and make a little money at Bet Online. And by the way, get a welcome bonus. Bet Online even covers awards and uh, TV shows, reality TV, whatever. You can find a line for it at Bet Online. Real time updated odds and props on just about anything you can imagine. Go to betonline.ag right now. Use your mobile device to sign up today. Receive your 50% welcome bonus on your. First deposit promo code locked on to get that 50% welcome bonus bet online, your online sports book experts. Okay, Matt, we've got one pass catcher off the board so far. We've got three quarterbacks off the board and an offensive tackle with the Philadelphia Eagles on the clock at six. And I wanted to have some fun with this pick. I thought the Eagles might be a good trade down team, but when we had Geno on, 
from Locked On Eagles after that Carson Wentz trade, talking about the needs and, and what things could look like. I just think the fit here is too good. Jamar Chase, wide receiver LSU to the Philadelphia Eagles. I love it. I, I really think that Sewell, Pitts, and Chase are all in contention for second best prospect in this draft. And you get them at six, and all of a sudden Hertz is throwing to Rager, who I still have hope for, Goddard, who I love, Chase as the number one, and Miles Sanders. That's not a bad group to kind of build around and a line that you don't think is going to get hit like injuries like it was. I kind of feel like this is a no-brainer if he's there at six. I still personally have some reservations about Jamar Chase of being like the it-it guy too, which is why it's easier for me to say, okay, let's go Kyle Pitts before Jamar Chase. And I do like mm-hmm. Devontae Smith a little bit more. So Devontae Smith would be my number one receiver in this class. But I get why Chase would be the top prospect. And I get why um, you know everyone likes him. And I get why the Eagles fans would be excited about him. And I think it was Daniel Jeremiah who called him a faster version of Anquan Bolden, which is exciting. But that also means he's probably not getting that much separation, which is the one thing that scares me a little bit with him. And people said the same thing about Nikhil Harry, and that didn't work out great. And I think Ooh. Jamar Chase is a lot better prospect than Nikhil Harry. And Jamar Chase is a freak and, and is super rocked up and is just built like you want to see your your top five, top six prospects built. But he's not quite a Julio Jones slam dunk like, you know, you have to take this guy at number three overall, which is why I had the Dolphins passing. But at this point, makes too much sense for the Eagles. Yeah, I think they would maybe run this one to the podium, that this is the ideal fit for them. The Lions are tough because they have so many needs. And at seven, I thought maybe there could be some trade opportunities here. Maybe a team that wants to get up in front of the Carolina Panthers for that fourth quarterback. But I just didn't really see a fit, uh, maybe a little bit too far to move up for some teams for a quarterback like Trey Lance, who I would assume be the pick here, unless you're Mike Tannenbaum, who might think it would be someone trading up for Mac Jones. But I'm going Micah Parsons, pretty chalky pick. I've seen this a lot for the Detroit Lions here. They have so many needs, but I think Dan Campbell is going to want to build you know, that identity of physical. So, you know, somebody on the offensive or defensive line or just the top prospect on the defense to to be physical and build that defense. And I think that's the the attitude and the identity that he wants to bring. So I could see Micah Parsons fitting that. And he's also a freak of nature athlete. I like it too. I mean, you got to remember not only Campbell, but Spielman is heavily involved. I bet Spielman has Mm -hmm. some respect for the the game Micah Parsons plays. And he's been a little out of sight, out of mind. He's a freak linebacker prospect, though. I mean, he is all over the field, size, tenacious. I've always had a hard time getting him in where I think he belongs, which is a top, you know, 10 type of pick whenever I've done mocks. And I can see the Lions go receiver here, but I think he fits the persona of the team. I like it a lot. Yeah, Galladay probably get the franchise tag, too, so maybe it's not the most immediate need for a wide receiver, but yeah, yeah, wide receiver, there's a number of ways I think the Lions could go at pick seven. And then pick eight, the Carolina Panthers. After all the talk with how active they might be and looking for their quarterbacks, they end up standing pat, sitting there knowing that, look, we're in the driver's seat here. A team has to go over the top of us to go get a quarterback. We know one could fall, and here one does fall, and it's probably the ideal situation to get someone as talented at Trey Lance at pick number eight out of North Dakota State, not have to spend the resources moving up, and you still have your nice bridge quarterback in Teddy Bridgewater there for a year while Trey Lance gets ready. So I love the fit for Lance at eight to the Panthers without the need to move up and spend a bunch of resources on him, and this pick is not Mac Jones in my opinion, but who knows? We'll see come draft day if, if Jones actually does end up being a top eight player. This is another one to me that if it goes like this, you run the car to the podium. I mean, that you probably even tried to trade up the last couple of picks to get this guy and you lucked out and he fell to you. 
You can wait on him for a while. The more and more Lance homework that I do, the more I like him. And I'm not sure he won't be my second quarterback when it's all said and done, when I when my final ranks are in. I could see a lot of teams having him too. I think that two, three, and four will be all over the board for teams. So it depends on fit, depends on who, you know, meshes well in interviews and who likes who. But I just think playing at a D one school, only one year as a starter. And while he has a strong arm, deep accuracy can sometimes, you know, be hit or miss a little bit. And there's some work to do. And he's not a guy that you're going to draft and he's going to walk in day one and be your starter. So I think that'll make some teams pause a little bit, which is why I have him going forth. And I think that's the most likely spot for him is to fall into this, you know, eight to 12 range. The Atlanta Falcons, after moving down, add another piece to their defense in Caleb Farley, who to me is the top cornerback prospect in this draft and uh, maybe the top defensive prospect period. Uh, he was one of Bruce Feldman's freaks, 6'2", runs four threes, and you can see it on tape. He breaks on the ball like it's different. It looks different than other even first-round type cornerback prospects that we've seen in recent years. And here's a, a nice nugget that I got from my guy Jeff Dini, who's a pro football focus analyst and uh, is a 49ers fan, and I've had him on the Locked On 49ers podcast. Caleb Farley in 2019, he opted out 2020, so we haven't seen him in a while, which is why maybe his stock isn't as high. You don't hear his name as much because he didn't play when a guy like Patrick Sertan was you know, in the national championship game. Farley allowed a 28.6 passer rating in 2019 when he wow. was targeted as a cornerback, which is actually lower than if those quarterbacks just threw the ball into the grass rather than targeting <laughs> Caleb Farley in coverage. I love those kind of stats. I mean, and... You often see him mocked here to Denver as kind of a consolation mm -hmm. prize. And I think it's still great value. And just to pull the curtain back, you know, we have two corners in a row about to go here. You see that a lot. And I think both these guys, a lot of years would be top five type of picks. I think Farley's the more talented of the two. And then Atlanta, you know, they pick up some extra picks to move down. Two years in a row, they draft the first round corner. That can have a massive trickle-down effect to making a defense pretty good all of a sudden. That's right. a lot more, things like that. And know? some people might say, hey, they just drafted A.J. Terrell. That that factors in zero for me here. And I thought right. about that and was like, nope, I don't care. This is something you need to fix. It's, it's been needed to fix for a long time. And, uh, you know, the Falcons could be right back on top with a couple of more pieces there in free agency and the draft with an offense that's still ready to play well. And then super easy decision for the Cowboys for me to, to go with the next corner in Patrick Sertan who just is behind Farley just because of pure athleticism. And by the way, watch out for Virginia Tech's Pro Day because they traditionally always had that 38-yard dash <laughs> yeah. over there, and, yeah. uh, and Farley is fast. So it, those workouts are going to blow people away. The New York Giants... And this works out, works out well for Dallas. Yeah, it they, works they out get perfect. a fine prospect. Right? And there's a reason we keep seeing corner, corner go 9-10, whether it's you know the Broncos or somebody else at 9 and then the Cowboys at 10. And then super easy decision here for the New York Giants who run the card up. My number one wide receiver in this draft, Devontae Smith, still here. Wide receiver out of, out of Alabama, Heisman Trophy winner, goes to New York. I think that's one of the easiest picks I made in this entire mock. I 90% agree. I just personally, I like Waddle better than Smith. But mm. that's that's just a preference of mine, and we'll get to that in my receiver ranks. It's not really a knock on Smith, but again, I think the Giants would be very happy if those are the 10 guys that are off the board when they're picking at 11. And Waddle's actually the most common player I see go to the Giants, but usually that's because Devontae Smith is off the board. I think, yeah. you know, Devontae Smith is really skinny, but I still think size-wise, he's got some length where Waddle's only 5'10", 184 pounds too. So it's not like he's got size on him, but Waddle's got that explosive ability and that speed, and he can run after the catch, which is why I think he's a great, fought, uh, great fit for 
the Miami Dolphins, who trade up here to pick 12 to draft Jalen Waddle. So they skipped on wide receiver at three. They have extra resources. Be proactive. Go help out Tua. Go get yourself your wide receiver here. Most people perceive there to be a nice gap after the top three wide receivers in this class, so the Dolphins move up to get Jalen Waddle to his old college teammate at pick 12. The Niners move back to pick 18. I just told you I like them better than Smith, so I love this move. I mean, if you can get to uh, Sewell and Waddle, I mean, I almost don't care what it costs to trade up. That <laughs> right. is dynamite. I mean, you're done. I mean, that's, that's, that's all you need, and they're very familiar with them. That's outstanding. And 18 to 12 is not going to be pricey. Go, go no, get right. Guy. That's very doable. And they got tons of picks the next two years. Absolutely. And conversely, I could see this happening the other way around. If they did go wide receiver at three, they could move up here for uh, Rashawn Slater as well at pick 12. So uh, I really like the Dolphins to be active mm, and, and yeah. maybe going uh, in the forward direction from pick 18 in this draft and really solidify one of those solid first round consensus players. I like it. Two of them. I mean, two premier blue chip guys. Speaking of Rashawn Slater, he goes to the Chargers at 13. I mean, need meets value here. That's what you've got to draft if you're the Chargers. And they're in a good spot to, to probably get a pretty good offensive lineman to pick 13. And I, I think in every mock I'll do, I'll probably have an offensive lineman going to protect your asset in Justin Herbert. And then I've got back-to-back offensive linemen at pick 14, the Minnesota Vikings selecting Elijah Vera Tucker. Uh, maybe a guard, but maybe a tackle out of USC. I could see him being able to start at any five positions along the offensive line. And I think you try him at tackle because he played so well at tackle as a senior and make him prove that he has to be a guard first where he could be an all-pro guard. And by the way, the Vikings have a need at left guard as well. I'll say this is the first one I have a little issue with in that I don't dislike Vera Tucker, but I look at him more as a 20 to 25 overall player. I understand that linemen get pushed up. I think with your choice of edge here, I would go one of those dudes over Vera Tucker for many. Edge was absolutely consideration here for me, and it would be a good spot to strike for an edge defender, but I just love the fit with Vera Tucker too. Such an ideal fit for the Kubiak style of offense and running game. Maybe after you attack some of those defensive needs in free agency. All right, we'll get to the second half of this mock draft coming up. I don't know if we're actually going to finish this thing. We're going to have to finish up some of the picks tomorrow. Peacock Mock 1.0. I'm extremely excited to tell everybody about the newest flavors of Built Bars. and They're fantastic. Uh, if you listen to this podcast, you know I love talking about the peanut butter flavor of Built Bar. But they've taken it to the next level with a peanut butter crispy flavor. 160 calories of goodness for the entire bar with 19 grams of protein and only 7 grams of sugar. Built Bars are protein bars that feel like you're eating a candy bar. And Coconut Puff Bar, luscious chocolate, soft marshmallow, premium collagen protein blend, 16 grams of protein in the Coconut Puff Bar, only 130 calories and only 6 grams of sugar gluten-free, preservative-free. Go to BuiltBar.com for 20% off your next order with promo code LOCKEDON. Again, promo code LOCKEDON at BuiltBar.com for 20% off your next box of Built Bars. So the Patriots with Quiddy Pay, edge rusher out of Michigan at 15, and to me it's just like Bill Belichick's... When you look at their depth chart and their roster... Belichick's never had that bad of a front seven ever, and, and he is not going to stand for that. And I know they need a tight end and a wide receiver and some playmakers on offense, and they need a quarterback too, which I think they'll try to find on the veteran market that doesn't cost them a first-round pick. Front seven on defense 
is where I would put my money that the New York Giants or where the uh, the New England Patriots go here. And I think this is a really nice spot for them to strike where there's going to be a number of edge players. Maybe Christian Barmore would be a good fit here too for the New England Patriots. And they might have their pick of a lot of the top guys still at 15. They need so much. I think your logic is very sound. That I mean, Bill's going to want front seven people. He could actually. I mean, I just thought of this, but he would match with Winovich and Uche as some kind of Michigan triumphant. You know, is the oh, get this thing back? How about that? I didn't really some think kind about of, that Michigan connection there. Uh, yeah, he's been right. heavily scouting like that it. defense for a while, and obviously the Patriots are always a candidate to move down and add more pieces there. Yeah. They could go so many directions. Actually, this next team could do. Yeah, there could be. This could. Be, I mean, there's going to be a run on edge rushers and offensive linemen in the second half of the NFL draft, and that's definitely how I have things going. I think over half of my picks at the second half of the the mock. Actually, from 13 on, I think half over half the picks are either edge or, or offensive tackle uh, mm. in this class. But here I have cornerback J.C. Horn going to the Arizona Cardinals, and for this one, you know, Patrick Peterson moving on. They could go edge. They could go corner. I think it definitely has to be on the defensive side of the ball, though, for Arizona. Yeah, I, I could also see receiver, but only if Waddle would fall or somebody like that. I mean, whoever the fourth receiver is probably isn't worth it here. I think you basically go best defensive player available, and this makes sense. I mean, put somebody opposite Murphy and build a young secondary. I know who my fourth receiver is in this class. I'm interested to hear yours, and later on this week, I think we'll get to your top five NFL draft wide receiver. And yeah, that wide receiver four is going to be interesting, Which what teams like, what that fit is going to be. The Las Vegas Raiders, Christian Barmore, defensive tackle from Alabama here. A lot of people are going edge. I think they've put enough resources into edge that Mike Mayock's probably not thinking that they want to go with another first-round pick there at edge, but they can help their defensive line out with maybe the only top 50 defensive tackle in this class in Barmore. Uh, but again, the Raiders, when you look at their roster on defense, they, the, any, basically the best defender place him on the Las Vegas Raiders at 17. Yeah. It's going to be a defensive off season for sure. They need D tackle help. I think Barmore, not that he doesn't deserve it is going to get pushed up because the D tackle class is so weak. So you get your best guy at that position and then go from there. I, I have not seen Barmore mock to the Raiders, but I like it a lot. Maybe a dark horse pick for the Raiders, too, is Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa, who was a tough player that I, I had a tough time fitting. I kind of wanted to put him in the Patriots. It'd be interesting to see how Bill Belichick used him. He could be a Cam Chancellor in the Las Vegas Raiders defense for new defensive coordinator Gus Bradley, but they already have you know, a strong safety there. So, uh, and they spent money last year on a, on a weak side linebacker. So I went with Barmore there to solidify things up front with the 49ers after trading back at pick 18. And the thought with the Niners at, at 12 is if the court, if the top four quarterbacks are gone and the top two corners are gone, which is more and more the case with every mock draft I see. And it was the case in this mock draft. I think they will be taking phone calls rather than drafting, say an edge uh, or an offensive lineman at 12 moving down because they they know some of those prospects will be there if a team's willing to come up and for me here I really like Gregory Rousseau he might be the top edge player for me in this class I think it's really tight with him and and Quiddy Pay and his teammate from Miami and and a few other pass rushers I think you know height weight speed is going to be a big factor to break these guys up and and what scheme you're running on defense but really for Rousseau just a prototype 
length and size at 6'6", 260 pounds. Dude was a wide receiver and a safety in high school, so he's got that athleticism. When he closes, it's like these frog-like, long-legged strides, and he closes so quickly on the <laughs> yeah. quarterback. And he's actually really natural using his hands and his long arms, which is really important for a pass rusher. And he opted out last year, but was a freak his freshman year. So only one year of tape at Miami, but uh, I think maybe teams are going to like him just because his height, weight, speed more so than I'm seeing him in mocks in a lot of cases. I like Gregory Rousseau quite a lot. And the 49ers are all about building up front on defense, and D Ford is long gone, most likely, whether it's you know uh, post-June 1st or pre-June 1st or whatever, injury settlement. Uh, they need someone on the other side of Nick Bosa, who, by the way, is coming back from a torn ACL. Right, right. Now, the way this lands, I mean, horns off the board. Um, Rousseau probably will be my top edge when I get around to doing those ranks. For all the reasons you mentioned, I think it's a great fit. It's very Niner-like to keep that front as strong as possible. You drafted Kinlaw in the first round last year. I mean, that was a huge reason they were in the Super Bowl just two years ago, to keep that keep a strength a strength. Mac Jones. I, I had a hard time even putting Mac Jones this high at pick 19, and I thought I was going to put him maybe back. I, I, was, I, I had actually planned to surprise you with a Mac Jones selection for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I like him for the Saints at the yeah. end of the round. I think in the, I feel a lot better about him at the end of the round or in, in, in round two. But when I got to the Washington football team, and I'm looking at the veteran free agent market, uh, the trade market at quarterback. I'm thinking, man, this is actually a team where it starts to make a lot of sense. And this is about as high as I can go with Mac Jones. I have the Alabama quarterback going to the Washington football team here. Yeah, and obviously a lot of dominoes have to fall in the quarterback market before the draft ever takes place. But if they're sitting on a Dalton or a Newton or somebody like that, that's, you know, uh, that would be perfect. You know, the, the, they, they're going to have a lot of needs. I think Mac Jones could end up on the football team. I, the, the, I'm just sitting here looking at it at 19. I could see that happening. And you don't have to trade up. And right, it, right. Just, it just makes a lot of sense here. And they're, they're definitely one of those teams that could move all the way up into the top 10 to try to draft their guy. But I have them sitting back, selecting Jones at 19. Chicago Bears at pick 20. Rashad Bateman, he is my fourth wide receiver in this class. Wide receiver out of Minnesota, and in a lot of ways, somewhat similar to Allen Robinson. He just gets open and makes catches. He's just so productive, and the more I watch him, I like his route running ability. You know, people are going to compare him to Allen Robinson, especially if he goes to the Bears or guys like Devontae Adams, where, you know, the height, weight, speed doesn't necessarily wow you, even though he's got some nice size. I think he can be that guy who gets open and is a target hog wide receiver for a team like the Chicago Bears. And, you know, if they do franchise tag Allen Robinson, you know, he'll probably be gone the following season. So you have that first year to develop Rashad Bateman with Allen Robinson. Yeah, I like it as well. I mean, I we we didn't talk about this beforehand, but Bateman is my fourth receiver. I'm very fond of him. I think he fits this area of the country, the style of play they're going to play, either learns from Robinson and or succeeds him. Similar, you know, I mean, I think that's a good fit for sure. So we are running out of time here. Let's get to picks 21 through 32 tomorrow and all the latest news, of course, around the league. We're coming at you daily here on the Peacock and Williamson podcast. So to those teams picking at the end of the first round, sorry to tease you that way. We'll get to those picks tomorrow right here. Peacock and Williamson.